And God, thank you for um, what you're doing in our church. I thank you for how you love these amazing people sitting in this theater. I pray today that we would, would look at the things that, that rob our joy, and ultimately we want to find joy in you. I know some of us come um, in a season of Christmas, and there's like lots of busyness and anxiety and fear and scarcity. Lord, I pray you'd meet us today in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us? God, I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see you all. I'm Colby. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, I just want to say one little quick thing that um, our staff team, um, Levi, David, and, and uh, Victoria and Anna, their wives, we all went on Friday for a Christmas party, and we did an exit room, and we beat the exit room, which is pretty remarkable. Right, Levi? I bet it's a feat. It's like 30... I used too many clues. Yeah, they gave us seven clues, and we used three of them. So it's not bad. Um, I just want to say that this past year was really challenging, but I'm just so thankful for David and Levi and their leadership in our church. Um, it's a gift to me. It's remarkable to see um, young men step up in their call and just really lead me, actually, at points in this, in this year. And I'm just so grateful for their friendship and their leadership. And... Um, it's a season I'll never forget in my life. And so I just want to thank you guys. Um, this is really the dream team, and I love working alongside you every single day. It's a gift. Um, on to this message. Um, i getting a little emotional there. Um, this past week, actually on Black Friday, I think about this, Black Friday was a few weeks ago, and did anyone do any Christmas shopping on Black Friday? Anyone? Barb, okay, a few people. I ordered a couple things on Black Friday, and I found this great gift for this friend of mine, and I ordered it, and I was like, this is super thoughtful on Amazon. Click the button, it was on sale. And um, like three days ago, I got like a notification that it was like pre being prepared to get shipped. And um, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I looked at the time frame, and I just couldn't believe how long it was going to be for it to get shipped. And I was like, okay, it's not a week from now. It's not a month from now. It's Easter 2022. <laughs> right? Like, I think about that. Like, all the things I ordered are all delayed all over the place. They might get here. They might not get here. I think about Christmas so often. It's about dealing with expectations. Isn't Christmas about expectations? It's about managing them. You know, I think about the like, two weeks ago, I talked about the longings at Christmas we face. And David talked about you know, finding hope at Christmas, ultimately in Christ. And these messages have really impacted me because I think so often at Christmas, it's so easy to get distracted onto things that I want or things I want to consume or I want to drink a great drink or I want to buy a great gift for someone. But it's so easy to, to misplace our expectations and things. See, Christmas is a time of celebration. It's a time of opening gifts the time of being with loved ones, of eating great food and drinking great drinks, but also for a lot of people, it's a time of great pain, a time when we remember that a certain person isn't in the room anymore, a time where we feel the hurt of the past year, a time where we're aware of the loneliness some of us face. See, I want to talk today about joy, but I also want to talk about the great robber of joy that's fear. Now, I love Disneyland and if you're around here at all, 
I like, I've been almost going to Disneyland for almost every year for the last nine years. And uh, last year, the pandemic was the first year I didn't go. But there's an interesting stat about Disneyland that when they made Inside Out, the Pixar movie, that they have all the characters that come out in California Adventureland. And there's one character that's seen more than any other character in Disneyland, in all the parks, more than Mickey, more than Minnie, uh, more than Donald or Goofy, or in, like, you know, in the other park, more than any character, Jack Sparrow, you can see him, or Cruella DeVille, all the characters, there's one character. It's not joy, right? You can see joy. It's sadness, right? I think it shows to us so often there's a human condition that we all feel a certain way sometimes, Right? Inside Out did this great job of showing joy and fear and sadness. But I want to talk today about joy, but the great robber of joy, which is fear. I think so often at Christmas time, the thing that robs our joy is fear. Being fearful of trials that might come or fearful of a person. See, I think it's so, always amazing that Christmas is a time marked that by people who gather around a tree and open gifts and sometimes come out of it so miserable. <laughs> right? They say people drink more at Christmas than any other season. See, I see people come, to, come out of a season like Christmas sometimes depressed, overspent, angry at family and disappointed. And I think I saw someone post just recently on Facebook with my friends that that this is the reason why Hallmark movies are so popular at Christmas, right? I think someone said that, that Hallmark movies, like, they use the same 17 actors to make 300 movies, <laughs> right? I think it speaks to a lot about how we want to be lifted up in a season where there's just a lot of, like, brokenness. I'm going to look at a passage in Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 7, and I think Isaiah is a great book to read at Christmas, and Isaiah in this passage in 40, verse, chapter 43, verse 1 to 7, is talking about the two joy robbers we find at Christmas. Ultimately, the fear of trials and the fear of people that Israel's facing. Now, if you're not aware of the book of Isaiah, it's an Old Testament. It's the third largest literary book in the Bible. It's actually only um, surpassed by Jeremiah and the Psalms. The book of Isaiah was written by Isaiah, son of Amos. And no one's questioned the writer, the authenticity of this, this book of the Bible. There's roughly about 400 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled, actually spoken in the Old Testament, and 40, or sorry, 35 of those prophecies are fulfilled according to the expositor's commentary in the book of Isaiah. David last week had this really cool stat. You can go back and watch it on YouTube, but talked about like, the fact that we believe the Bible is, is accurate without error. Because there are so many prophetic things that are filled in Christ. That we believe ultimately that when sometimes people say, well, I, you know, I'm a New Testament Christian. I think people always say this, this point. The fact is, Jesus didn't have the New Testament. He used the Torah, the prophets, the Psalms. You see, we're going to get into this passage, which I think really spoke to me this past week about fears. It will speak to us. It says here in verse 43, verse 1, it says here, Now this is what the Lord says, The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the, through the fire, you will not be scorched. And the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I'll bring descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, give them up, and to the south, you know, hold them back. Bring my sons from far away, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who bears my name is created for my glory. I've formed them indeed, I've made them. There's this amazing passage in Isaiah, one of my favorite passages. And really the main point of this whole passage is to encourage God's people. Encourage them not to fear what someone or trials may do to them. They are up against the wall. They are in the seas of life. They are in like the, the spot where they're going to be sent to exile. There is major upheaval from nations around them. See, Israel had major fears that Isaiah is speaking to. Fears of trials they're going to face. Fear of people that persecute them. And I think so often we live in this tension. The fears we have, the trials we go through. It speaks to the first thing that that is a trial, I think, that, that robs joy. So the first thing that robs joy is a fear, fear of trials. It says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass the waters, I'll be with you, and the rivers will overwhelm you. You ever feel like that? When you walk through the fire, you'll not be scorched. The flame will not burn you. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel and your Savior. I've given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you're precious in my sight and honored. I love you. You see, he starts off, Isaiah starts by saying, do not fear. Do not be afraid. You see, what are they fearful of? What are they afraid of? What are we, what are we, Afraid of at Christmas, actually. What are you afraid of a lot of times in our lives? I think it says here in verse 2 and 3, the, the waters. When you walk through the waters, but also the fire of life. See, I think I love, I love the thing about Isaiah, he's speaking this. He's not saying, well, you know what, you, you might go through this. You might go through the waters of life. You might, I might go through fires that, that scorch every part of your life. You, you didn't say you might go through it. He's like, you're going to go through it. You're going to go through really insanely hard times. You're going to face challenges that you think might ruin you, that might actually destroy you. That's what Isaiah is speaking to a whole nation saying, don't be afraid of the trials. I don't know what you're facing this year at Christmas, but some of us are facing huge challenges, massive challenges. But what happens when you pass the waters of life? What happens when, you know, about the biblical and Old Testament, water was really associated with freedom being set apart, that Israel crossed the Red Sea, that Israel crossed the Jordan to the promised land, that it's actually being set apart for something. See, when you're faced with obstacles as a church, as a person, so often, I think, when there's major intense trials in our lives, we think it's going to kill us or crush us. 
but ultimately it sets us apart. Like we're not maimed by those things. Right? It shows us who we really are, that actually we're human, that we're just a broken person. I remember the first time, maybe I was aware of this, deeply aware of this, this brokenness, the trials, and it happened in a split second in my life. And I was in Quinnell, and I was born and raised in Kelowna, I moved to Quinnell, and I was playing indoor soccer, and I was like a 22-year-old, right? Pretty healthy, playing soccer. I love playing soccer, and I'm playing indoor soccer, and all of a sudden I took like this shot off my knee and just popped it right out. And I tore my ACL. I remember there was a moment where I was like, how am I going to drive a standard car to the hospital? Because <laughs> I don't like asking for help. You see, these are moments where you're aware of just brokenness, of trials, of struggle. You see, the waters of our lives, the hard moments of our lives that set us apart actually make us, that show what we rely on in those moments. But actually, Isaiah moves on, talks about the fire. When you walk through the fire, in the one you walk through the fire, you actually see what's really ultimately there, what you really believe. When the fire comes into your life, the trials come in, you actually see ultimately what's really deeply there in your life, the, the foundation of your life, the things that you actually build your life on. Isn't that true for you and I? When you go through insanely hard moments, when you didn't get the thing you wanted, Or maybe it's actually getting the thing you ultimately want is the hardest moment in your life. I remember another moment for me when I feel like I walked the fire of my life. It was there a season of my life in my mid-20s where I graduated my master's degree? And, and you know what I mean? Like I look at my life and I'm like, man, if I, if I just graduated from high school and, I, and if I just went and, and did post-secondary at Bible college and then I did my master's, my master's of, of Christian studies, I just did all this stuff and then I'd be it. <laughs> I've arrived. Like some of us, like the fire is the moment that it burns everything away. Maybe it's a trial, but maybe it's actually getting the thing you want becomes the trial. I remember becoming so disillusioned. I was like, you know, in my mid-20s, I got my master's, and nothing changed. Nobody looked at me different. <laughs> Nobody cared, actually, about my degree. <laughs> right? I invested all this money and all this time, and no one cared. It made me really feel really disillusioned. Disillusioned with the church. Disillusioned with myself. I was like, how could God use broken people like me? I had this envision of when I got my master's, I'd be like this spiritual, amazing person. I'm just the same person in the mirror. You see, I think so often at Christmas, there's expectation, there's longing, there's things that we hope would fix or change us. We're fixed and change our circumstances. That's why every January, I see most other day, like every January I do this challenge where I don't buy anything on Amazon for the whole month. Because usually in December, the Amazon package comes every day. Right? Because there's longing for something to change the way we feel about the situation that we're in. 
Maybe that stocking or maybe that gift or maybe that, that thing will change the way I deeply feel about the trials maybe I'm in right now, the circumstances I'm faced against. You see, that's the first robber of joy, which is the fear of trials. What happens if the trials come in my life? What happens if I, the worst thing happens or actually I get the thing that I really long for and desire? See, it can become anything. See, the waters of life are the things that you, you ultimately find yourself in these dark moments of your life. But the fire is where it burns up everything you held on to. It shows the thing that you might be held on to the most, where you've built your faith, your hope, and your trust structures. See, the water and the fire, what Isaiah is saying here, is aren't to punish you or crush you. They're here to show you what ultimately would bring you joy. It's God. It's Jesus. To show you what you've ultimately relied on, what has driven you besides, if anything has driven you besides God, it's not going to actually bring you ultimate joy in your life. I don't mean like you're walking around like this, this like fake fabricated smile on your face. It means that ultimately in the awful moments of your life, you can still give thanks to God. You can still feel grateful to God that he's given you what you have. In this past year, as I've wrestled through being thankful, maybe you've, you've wrestled with that. I remember like in, in March, April, and May, I was like, I am not a very thankful person. Like, how do I become more thankful, more full of joy? How do I do that? Right? I remember every day, I, I like to journal every day. And um, my therapist, she says, you should just write down daily intentions for people around you. Okay, I can do that for my kids. And, and so you should also write a list of, of being thankful. What are you thankful for every day? And the first day was like nothing, right? I was thankful for not a lot. But it started growing. I'm thankful for God's provision. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for David and Levi and Mark and Nancy and my mom and my kids. And I'm so thankful for these little minuscule things, actually, which are really big things, but I'm just so forgetful of the, the thankfulness I should have. See, the water and the fire show us that ultimately the things that we have can't bring us joy. The next fear that's kind of a robber is people. It says here in verse 5, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and the south, to hold them back, bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. See, I think what they're asking is, what's going to happen to us as a people? What's going to happen is when foreign nations come against us? What's going to happen when they're going to come against and crush us and exile us? What's going to happen to Israel? That's what they're thinking. What's going to happen to God's people? You see, God's trying to remind the Israelites through Isaiah that you can count on God. You can count on God. Why? Because he has a great track record of changing people of restoring broken things. I always say this to people sometimes, like the, the best predictor of future behavior is the past. The best way to know the future is to look to the past. I think Isaiah is saying here to, these, to, to Israel, 
is if you want to know what your futures will look like, trust God. If you're worried about exile, look to a God who actually brought Israel already out of Pharaoh's hands, out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness. Look at a God who doesn't abandon his people but remembers them and loves them. He said, look to the past because you can trust God. You might not be able to trust the people that are persecuting you, the people that, that might let you down, but trust God who's been through these things, through the fire. You see, I think so often at Christmas, maybe you and I, we look at the present, we become fearful of the future. But this Christmas, I want to look to the past to remember that God's got me through every season of my life. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with you yet. Look at the care that God has for his people. He's redeemed. He redeemed Israel from Egypt, from slavery, from Pharaoh. See, no matter what you face or who you face, God is saying that you, can, you can't count on your circumstances, but you can count on him in your circumstances. So you can count on God when there's waters in your life and fire that rages and burns everything up. And you don't even know what you really even believe anymore. We live in a culture where people are deconstructing their faith all the time and they're questioning and wondering, what do they really believe? But here's what I love about, about the God that we serve is that God shows up in rock-bottom moments of life. And I often wonder why God shines the brightest in the moments where there's water and fire in our lives. Like, why does he shine the brightest? It says in verse 4, it says, Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. You see, before we get to the rock-bottom moments of our lives, when we're in the rock-bottom moments of our lives, we have to realize that we need to see the heart of God, and it reveals to us that He loves you. He loves you. His love is for you at Christmas. Ultimately, put your faith and trust in Him. His love is for you, not against you. I think of us all the time that there's a love that God has that lures us in. It's so soft and spoken to us that we forget about it. Then the trials of our lives and the fear of our trials and the fear of people that we ultimately don't believe that is God even here? Is God with us? Can God get us through this? But he's ultimately speaking to you when, you're, when your faith is put in him, when you trust in Jesus, he's whispering to you, I love you. I have three beautiful kids, and they're so excited for Christmas. And I, I adore these amazing, beautiful kids in 2021. But in 2006, they weren't precious to me. Why? Because I didn't know them. I think about this all the time, that, that God's always known you. And maybe this is a Christmas where you get to finally know God for the first time. You need to know someone who's loved you for your whole life, but you're not actually aware of it. 
See, I think about this often. How do we get joy this Christmas? How do we actually have joy? Not these joy robbers like fear of trials and fear of people, but how do we find ultimately joy? And it's verse seven. It says here, here's how we deal with the ultimate joy robbers this Christmas. It's that God created Israel for his glory, that he created us for his glory. You see, what does it mean for you and I to be created for God's glory? It's like the word beauty, right? If I was to explain to you what it looks like to see a sunset or sunrise at Knox Mountain, it would never be, a, be good enough until you experience it. Until you experience a sunset or a sunrise at Knox Mountain looking over the lake and the city and just the gorgeousness of God's creation. See, God's glory is the perfect harmony of all his attributes into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. One infinite and beautiful being. See, for us at Live Free at Christmas, it means looking at God becoming flesh and blood and becoming like one of us. I saw just recently that this person was talking to, to people of different faiths. And they're saying, we actually believe in a God. Right? But our God, they're saying, you know, your God that you believe in, in Christianity and, and this, this God this Jew believes and this Muslim believes. Like they say, we, we believe in the same God and the God's just up on top of the mountain and we're trying to climb up to the mountain to God. And this, this person said, no, 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 that's not, that's not it. Actually, at Christmas, we remember that God came down off that mountain to us. He came into our world. Not that we bring anything special that we just bring our brokenness and our trials and our fears and God produces something ultimately in our lives that changes us. That seems to be every other religion in, in Christianity. That we don't have to actually achieve anything. We receive it so freely that we ultimately at Christmas remember that Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they're terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Don't be afraid. We're bringing a joy that's not going to fade like a Christmas gift six months later. Right? It says that the company of heavenly hosts say, glory to God in the highest heaven. You see, this Christmas, I think so often that we make it so much about us. These are the joy robbers we face, trials and people, expectations. But ultimately, when our joy is found in Jesus, it can't fade or wear out. back to the expectations we face, the joy robbers we face at Christmas as I bring this band back, bring the band back up to finish. That we believe that a baby being born 2,000 years ago changed human history, but it also changed our human history, our history. It changes you in this room. It changes broken people that maybe are fear, full of fear, full of anxiety. He puts a joy in you that shouldn't be there. 
You see, it's all about not our glory, but God's glory. I think sometimes we look at God like he's like a, a backseat person in our car. I remember one of my friends, once he was in an mo- extra in a movie, and my friend Dan said to me, hey, I'm in this incredible movie, check it out. And I watched the movie and I couldn't see him. And I was like, where were you in the movie? And he's like, oh, like, you know, 38 minutes and 12 seconds in, there I am. <laughs> I watched a second time, couldn't see him. So I skipped back to 38 minutes, those exact seconds, and there's my friend Dan in the very back corner. Right? Like, when you think about our lives, Christmas so often is about our glory, but this Christmas, let's make it about his glory. Let's make it about his glory, making him known in Kelowna. I want to speak this over our church. This is kind of our benediction today. Is that when you pass the waters, God's saying, I'll be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. And you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. And the flames will not burn you because you are precious in my sight. I love you. See, Christmas reminds us of God's love towards you. To Kelowna, that he loves this city more than some of you in this room. I love Kelowna, but God loves it more. He loves the people in this city more than us. That he wants ultimately people to be redeemed and restored in Kelowna. To see their sin and brokenness and ultimately find their hope and their joy in Jesus Christ. See, God delights in how we've gathered as a church, how we faced the waters and the fires this past year. That God has been holding us and guiding us, reminding us constantly of his love for you, even though I think so often we have a hard time believing it because we feel like we have to earn it or achieve it somehow. But God's saying, actually, no, a baby was born 2,000 years ago so you could freely receive the greatest gift you'll ever receive this Christmas. It's Jesus. And that'll produce a joy in you that'll surpass all the fears you face, all the fears of a trial or the people in your life. I'm going to leave you this, this last little thing that so often we're talking about this Christmas that we want to practice as a church. What is one thing we could do this week? I want us to consider this week what brings us ultimate joy. What brings you joy? Maybe spending a few moments just reflecting on what ultimately brings you joy this week. Make a plan. It could be driving on a Friday after work with friends and family with a hot chocolate, your favorite Starbucks drink, and driving down Candy Cane Lane. Right? There's just something magical for my kids about get a cup of hot chocolate and driving down Candy Cane Lane. Look at that house. Look at that house. Look at that house. Oh my goodness, look at their Santa Claus on, a, on an airplane or a helicopter. Like there's these crazy, incredible moments I have with my kids that bring joy. Maybe it looks like waking up on a Saturday morning and be like, I'm going to bake a breakfast for my friends and my family and share just one thing I'm thankful for. Maybe it means making a cup of coffee or hot chocolate and reading a brand new book. Maybe it means baking a box of cookies and dropping them off to neighbors and friends. But you see, I think so often this 
Christmas season, we remember that it's all about God and his glory. But all the moments that you actually find joy this Christmas, give thanks to him that he's the ultimate joy in your life. Let's pray. God, what a year it's been. I think about the trials and the trials that we face as a church with the pandemic or some people's careers and jobs and relationships. I just think about how often that there's struggles in our lives, Lord, that you want to meet us not one day when our lives are put together, but you meet us right now, right here in this exact moment in a theater in Kelowna. And you want to declare to some of us that you love us. When our faith is put in you, that you love us. There's nothing that can separate your love from us. Maybe some people right here need to say, I need to give you my life, Jesus. I want to put my, my faith and trust in you ultimately because I love you, Jesus. That I want to find a, a joy that never wears out, that never runs out, a joy that can't fade six months from now. But Lord, would you show us who you are? Would you give us a joy that surpasses all our fears? Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.